all rise. Don't you guys, yeah. Oh Come guys. Take a seat. You can sit in the judge's chair if you want as well. Oh, <laughs> I'll be the usher. Hello and welcome to the Bang to Rights podcast. My name is Pete Murray. I'm a lecturer in multimedia journalism here at MMU. I'm joined by my colleagues Dave Porter. Hello Dave. Hi Pete. And by Jeremy Craddock. Hi Jez. Hi Pete. So this, we're on to episode five of the podcast and uh, well where are we? Because we're not in the studio Jez are we? No we're not. We're, we're actually this week in the, uh, the mock-up courtroom at uh, the MMU Law School. So it's effectively um, a, a replication of a magistrate's court as well as a, a crown court. So we've been here really to try and uh, give the students an idea of what it's like to be in a working court. So we'll, we'll come on to, on to that. We've got, uh, we spoke to some of the students um, while they were in here and so on. But um, So yeah, it's a mock-up of a, a magistrate's court, crown court. It's actual furniture that they, they have in, in a crown court. We've got the judge's bench there and so on. Um, and there's even the capacity to do a video link um, as if someone was appearing from, from detention or something like that. So, um, and that leads me nicely on to a very, very quick news update that we're going to do today. Not, not the traditional format, but just to say that um, there was two men appeared in court um, by video link um, over the case of the, the murder in 2015 of the, the guy who's described very often as Salford's Mr Big, a man called Paul Massey, who was murdered uh, just outside his house in Salford in, in 2015. And um, two men appeared by video link, uh, Stephen Boyle, 38, who's from Sandway in Haywood, and Mark Fellows, who's 38, from Warrington. Um, they both pleaded not guilty, and um, the case is due to, to resume towards the end of November. It's going to go on for up to eight weeks, so it's likely to be quite a lengthy criminal trial. Um, and, uh, well, that, that kind of video link thing from prison, it's, it's a formula that we often see in reporting. What does it mean, Dave? Well, I think, you know, obviously, uh, in this instance, if you're a student, you would expect a defendant to be in court. But if a uh, defendant is on remand and it's a preliminary hearing uh, and they simply have to either alter the bail conditions or, uh, in fact, you know, put a plea in, then there's often no need for them to be there physically. So it's in some ways it saves money, it helps the court administration and it's acceptable a modern way of conducting the court's business. So um, this is the kind of space that we've got here. As I said, real furniture for, from, from the real court suppliers um, and the, 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 the crest up above the judge's chair there and so on. So um, let's hear a little bit now of, of the session that we had with the students. And it will be the clerk who would say to the defendant, stand please, come stand. Uh, and it will be the clerk who puts the charge to the defendant uh, and would read from, rather than the magistrate, and you also get clerks at uh, Crown Court. So you'd have at least two mags, usually three. Um, sorry, is it Jordan? Kieran. Kieran, of course. Kieran would be the chairman. He was the chairman of the bench, and uh, generally more senior magistrate. Uh, and why is it important? Because sometimes we go to court cases, and at the end, sentence them. And we would say, you know, we, we would, um, very often the chairman's comments can sometimes be the key part of a story. So they would sit there, um, defendant there, possibly down this side you would see, you guys can be probation. So you would sit there taking notes uh, and then the magistrates would say, can we have a report? You've got an interview with defendant <coughs> um, prior to sentencing. Sometimes that can be done on the day, sometimes uh, usually it takes like a week or something. Um, and then at the back, you have the public gallery. Um, who's generally in the public gallery? 
Plumley. Plumley, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, which is quite interesting because these days, the way courts are set up, in the old Aye. days, <laughs> you used to be used to have a press bench, a separate bench for yourself, okay. sit down in. And nowadays, if you're a member of the press, which you'll find out when we take you, you uh, have to huddle next to the, like the family and friends. And they, you know, you can go like this. And they're looking at you going, you're writing. If this was real, I'd be, I'd be thrown out for this. You can't record anything in a courtroom. Um, so that's one exception that we're making for, for today. But you can't record stuff in a courtroom. You can take a pen and paper, and that's it. You can take your phone, yeah. So as a journalist, you can take your phone and you can tweet from court. You used to have to ask, a few years ago, about four or five years ago, you used to have to ask permission from the judge but, or the magistrates. But now it's pretty well, it's fine. You have to be unobtrusive, though. You can't go broadcasting the fact that to the, within the court that you're, you're doing it. And um, you're, you're, you must make sure that what you tweet doesn't interfere with the case itself which is one of the reasons that Tommy Robinson, the far-right guy, got banged up for contempt of court, because he was live, he was uh, doing a Facebook Live that was in contempt of a hearing that was actually underway in that court. So whether we regard him as a journalist or not, and I think probably most of us wouldn't, um, he was in contempt over what he was doing live in terms of broadcasting stuff. But you can tweet from court, but you can't record anything. So this is really not far off what you will see. So that's a bit from, from our session. A little earlier on, I spoke to Joanne Luthwaite. Um, she's, she's in charge of the Bar Professional Training Programme here at the MMU Law School. And she told me how, how they use this space as part of their postgraduate programme for students learning to become barristers. Well, it's set up with uh, modern courtroom furniture. And we have, as you said, a judge's bench at the front of the room. Um, which looks just like a judge's bench in, in any modern court that you might go into. Um, we've also got an advocate's bench with a lectern on it where the advocates will stand when they're addressing the judge. We've also got off to the side a witness box, so when we're practising witness handling skills, so that's examination in chief and cross-examination, the advocates will be directing their questions to the witness in the witness box and then behind that we have uh, more benches which I suppose in a um, normal courtroom setting would have solicitors or um, paralegals perhaps sitting on and then we have other um, seats for we use them for students to sit on but I suppose you might think of them as a public gallery or yeah. where or people something like that yeah. yes yeah. and um, is there a kind of role-playing thing goes on here do, do you as as teachers and tutors are you the judge in these cases Yes, sometimes. So the students have a large amount of advocacy training on the bar course, as you would expect. It's the largest component of the course, and all of the students have a two-hour class in advocacy each week. They're taught in small groups of six, and so during those two hours, they all have an opportunity to perform a piece of work as an advocate. And um, often, the tutor will sit in the judge's bench, um, but sometimes the students also have an opportunity to sit in the, the judge's chair so they, they can see things from the other side and appreciate more uh, the impact their advocacy and perhaps even their body language is having on their performance. And when that happens, is there a kind of peer review process goes on? Will the, will the student in the judge's chair, will they comment on the advocate's performance? 
Yes, in a large amount of the course is giving feedback to students about their advocacy. That's how they're going to learn. And they'll have often an opportunity to repeat what they've done. So they'll, they'll do a piece of advocacy, they'll get some feedback, generally from a tutor, but then also from their peers, and have an opportunity to repeat um, the advocacy and improve. And the, the tutors will demonstrate also how things should be done, in little sections to help them improve. Um, and we help the students learn how to give that peer feedback to their uh, colleagues. Yeah. Um, it's obviously it's a compulsory thing the, the students are going to have to learn this and practice at it and become expert at it do you I mean, do you find do the students find this this, this experience this, this space useful oh definitely I think that students are generally attracted to the bar course because of the advocacy that's really why they're here and it's it's what makes it different perhaps to the solicitors course so they are wanting to do advocacy that's probably what's attracted them to be here that's not to say that they um, know what they're doing when they arrive and often they might be really quite nervous when they arrive about standing and having to speak in public um, in front of tutors and in front of their peers Um, but it's a gradual process and they do get feedback from the beginning on their performance and I think that having the courtroom gives them an opportunity to practice in a setting that's, that's different to a normal classroom. And I think the sense of occasion can actually lift their performance. It might make them more nervous to start off with, but they certainly get more, more from it, I think, having the opportunity to practice in this setting, which feels like the real thing. Okay, well, it feels and it looks like a, a lot like the real thing to me. Um, Joanne Luthwaite, thanks very much. Now we're going to ask um, some of our students what they think of this space. So before you go, um, I'm, I'm recording this not to be in, in contempt of court. I'm recording this for the new podcast series that we're doing called Bang to Rights, which is out now in Stitcher and so on. You can get it. So we're doing a little podcast episode about this. And Kieran, I'm going to particularly ask you what it feels like to be in the big man's chair. But Stephen, tell me what's... What's your impression of this? Uh, impressive. It's nice to be in a real court and get a realistic view of it. And it's better to be on and see what it's actually like than just sitting in a lecture hall. It's way better to be actually here. That's what Alice, what do you think? What's it been like? Has this been useful? Yeah, I think it's been really interesting. Is it what you expected? Uh, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect. So I didn't know much about it, but it, yeah, it's been good. Okay. So, Kieran, you've been sitting in the judge's chair. How did it feel? feels I mean that's on a smaller scale compared to obviously what a big court is but you can just feel sitting in a chair like that that there's a lot of eyes in you and your decision is kind of you're the voice you're you're the main person in the room I know you said the defendant it's obviously about them but at the end of the day it's the judge who calls the shots and stuff like that and the chair is kind of representative of the power that you have and stuff like that okay so one of the other things um there was a question there about um differences between the English system and the Scottish system which I went into Um, you're from Ireland, yeah, so yeah. is it di- how are there different words for things? Different well, I mean, I, I touched on law when I did my business degree in Ireland and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, because Ireland used to come under British rule, there's a lot of stuff like a lot of it. It's like when you talk about Latin and Spanish, a lot of the roots are the same. But I mean, our constitution is only 1922, I think it is. So I mean, it's not perfect and stuff like that. And there's a lot of holes in the system, but there are a lot of similarities because at the end of the day. The Irish legal system has stemmed from the British legal system with a few, obviously, tweaks in the constitution and stuff like that. So, uh, well, we heard there from, from some of the students, um, and that was quite an interesting discussion there. Jez, do you think it was worthwhile bringing everybody in here? 
Yeah, I do, absolutely. I mean, it was interesting to see the reaction of the students and they seem to be really engaged in coming in here. But I think it, it's one thing uh, talking about it in a lecture theatre. It's quite another coming in and seeing the space for real and actually sitting in the chairs and perhaps seeing where a journalist would fit into the, into the puzzle, really. Um, and it, who knows, students might find themselves covering these kind of courts in the future, you know, so hopefully, you know, it won't be quite as... Uh, um, you know, uh, intimidating when they walk in for their own uh, on the first time. Yeah. And, and Dave, you set up this whole thing. Tell me about how you came across this place. Well, just by chance, I, I was in the business school and walked past and just saw the sign, courtroom, thinking, wow, it can't really be a courtroom. Uh, and uh, made some inquiries, and yes, I found out it was. And as you say, Pete, it's you know used by the law school, who were very happy for us to, you know, for our students to come here. And I think actually because why this is so great, as well as Jess was saying, we talk about it in class. We brought them here to see how it's set up. But actually, you know, in reading week, we do take them out to the magistrates, and now they will immediately feel at ease. It won't be an alien environment, and they'll understand. Oh yes, that's where a prosecutor stands. That's where the defence solicitor is. That's probation. We know all this because of today's visit. Yep. Okay. Great stuff. Well, well, that's it for, from uh, Bang to Rights for this week. We'll be back in the studio properly next week. We'll be looking in detail into the issue of protecting anonymous sources. That's following an ITV documentary which named what it said was one of the IRA men responsible for the Birmingham pub bombings, uh, which killed one, uh, 21 people in 1974. I'll post a link to that on the, on the show notes uh, on, on SoundCloud and, and on, uh, on Stitcher, because actually, as of this week, we're on SoundCloud, on the SoundCloud feed that's attached to our Northern Quota website. So for all of the podcasts, we're now in episode five, just search on SoundCloud for MMU Northern Quota. It's all one word, MMU Northern Quota. And you'll also find us on Stitcher, and uh, I think tomorrow, uh, well, sometime this week on Apple Podcasts as well. So if you just search for Bang to Rights, and please subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating as well, because it helps others find us, and it helps spread the word. So for today, thanks, Dave. Thanks, Pete. And thanks, Jez. Thanks, Pete. And, and thanks for me for, for listening, uh, and we'll see you soon.